Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. Good morning, Living Hope. Good to see you all. Good to see you all. Merry uh, Christmas season. Almost. All right, it's, it's Christmas season, isn't it? Yeah. I got a tree in my living room. It better be, so that's, that's good. It's good. It's good to see everybody. We're going to continue on in our uh, series that we started last week called Miracle on Your Street, where we're looking at kind of, uh, you know, the whole Christmas thing that Jesus came to earth why that's such a big deal? Why do we celebrate that? What, what's, the, what's the big deal and, and, and what it means to you? You know, out, you know, not so much in the theology of things, even though theology certainly plays, plays a large role in it, uh, but where you are on your street, where you live, why it's such a big deal in Dixon, USA, or Vacaville, USA, or wherever you uh, came from anywhere in the Dixon Metroplex. Um, you know, what is, uh, you know, what is the, why it's such a big deal to you? Why it's such a big deal to you? Um, and so last week we talked about how we're going to be, we're using the, um, prophecy in Isaiah 9, 6, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where, where Jesus is, is, is prophesied and he's called by four different names. Uh, the first one that we talked about last week is, is a wonderful counselor. Uh, and then this week, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, and then Prince of Peace. And so last week when we talked about why Jesus is a wonderful counselor, it's because he was one of us, because he came, God with us, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, lived among us, walked among us, lived a life just like the lives that we live. We went through all the same kind of stuff, all the same kind of suffering and sorrow and joys and victories and everything else, temptations that we, that we go through. Only difference is he did it perfectly. But he, I, the reason he can be such a wonderful counselor to us is because he identifies with us. It's not just some, uh, you know, detached God who doesn't, I mean, who just kind of spun us out into the universe and, and doesn't really identify with the things that we go through and has unrealistic, realistic expectations of us or that sort of thing. This is Jesus, God in the flesh who came and lived and walked among us and, and identifies with the lives that we live and how big a deal that is. Now, this week we're, we're gonna, we're gonna go on to the next one, which is Almighty God. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Almighty God. Last week we talked, you know, I, I mentioned that one of my favorite things about Jesus is the fact that he was a guy. He was, he was, he was a dude. He was, he was just not, not, not dude versus dudette, but just the fact that he was, he was a person. He was a human. I love that humanity of Christ. There's something very, I mean, the fact that he was a human, uh, makes him very easy for me to identify with. And, and I love that, that aspect. And a lot of times people, uh, we talked about last week, will get so hung up in his, uh, divinity and his Godhead that we lose sight of the fact that he was, he was living a human life just like the lives that we live. Now, the exact opposite can also be true. If you're not a person who, who kind of focuses on his, uh, you know, his, his Godhead and, and, you know, uh, maybe see him as kind of, um, I don't know, detached or, or, um, 
uh, unrelatable or whatever, and you, you fail to miss his, his human nature, then, you t- then you're probably the opposite, which is you focus too much on his humanity and forget the fact that this guy was God. Was God. Is God. And you cannot miss that fact, because if you miss that, you miss it all. You miss it all. That Jesus was and is God. That is the God of the universe. The God who created everything that there is to see. Who, who, who put our very intricate, very detailed, very, um, I mean, just finely tuned bodies into place and motion. The God who, who uh, hung this planet out in the middle of a universe so perfectly that if we were just a, a small distance closer to the sun or a small distance further away from the sun, life on earth as we know it would, would cease to exist. That God who is in complete control, who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, who is all-present, that God came and walked among us. Um, Philippians chapter 2 talks about how he emptied himself. He, he poured himself out for us. The, the, the picture that is trying to create there is, is basically that God kind of had to dumb himself down just so that we would be able to comprehend him at all. That, 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 that his, um, his godness, his, his divinity it is so overwhelming to us, would have been so overwhelming to us that if he would have come in his, his natural state, we would not have been able to, that he poured, he emptied himself he poured him, and, and even in his emptied form, Jesus, the man, walking around among us and doing everything that he did and teaching all the things that he taught, we see pictures of his power and pictures of the fact that he is God in Scripture that will blow you away. That, the, that this man that, that lived among us and walked among us 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, Turn water into wine. That's not a normal thing. That he would walk on water. Change the laws of physics just with his footsteps. That he would uh, calm the wind and the waves. Have command over weather systems and bodies of water. That he could feed thousands upon thousands of people with a sack lunch. That's not happening normally. That, that he could heal the blind and the lame. Heal people who had been blind or crippled from birth. Completely healed. Just get up and walk. Here, let me spit in your eyes and I'm going to heal you. That, 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 he could, that he could take people who had been days dead and raise them up and resuscitate them. That he could conquer his own death and resurrect himself. That, that's, that's some serious power. And that's in his emptied out form. That's in his emptied out form. That this God that we serve, I don't miss it. This Jesus whom we serve is not just some guy. And this is where a lot of people, um, like everybody agrees he was a good teacher. Nobody disagrees with that. Like, nobody. 
Like even if you're not a Christian, even if you're of another faith, even if you're of no faith at all, pretty much everybody agrees. Guy was a guy was a good teacher. He taught some good things. Like if you were just to follow the things that he taught, live the kind of life that he said we should live, yeah, the world would probably be a better place. You'd be more loving and more forgiving, more compassionate, and 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 these are the things that Jesus espoused and take care of the poor and all you know all that kind of stuff. And and nobody disagrees that he. I mean, there's not anybody out there, as far as I know, going, if you follow the teachings of Jesus, you're going to be a horrible, awful person. I haven't heard that. Everybody pretty much agrees his teachings were great. And this is what, this is what, I, what scares me, though, is I think too many Christians start following Christ because they want to implement his, the teachings of a good man rather than follow Almighty God. Now, you should implement the teachings of this very good man. You should implement them into your lives. We are to powder, pattern our lives after him, as we talked about last week. But if you miss out on the fact that this man was almighty God in the flesh, walking, living amongst us, you miss it all. You miss it all. And we have this kind of image in our head of God or of Jesus <coughs> as, you know, this, this kind of hippy-dippy guy uh, loving on kids and and uh, and you know um, you know whatever walking around with his Vidal Sassoon hair and his flip flops whatever it was he, I mean he, he, we have this kind of I, I you know this kind of peace loving uh, weird guy you know image in our head we 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 kind of picture him in his historical state his you know as he was two thousand years ago and we really lose sight of the fact, I don't know if you're aware of this, but that's not the Jesus you worship now when you sing these songs. That Jesus uh, that, that lived and walked amongst us uh, historically is not in the same form as he is now. That we're told that when he was uh, raised from the dead, that even his own followers who knew him well and walked with him daily encountered him and would walk distances with him before they realized it was him, that he was raised up in a glorified state. There was something familiar but different about him. And, it, and, and it, 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 in fact, there was one encounter with the disciples that they didn't catch on that it was him until they saw him bless a meal. And there was something very peculiar, I guess, about the way Jesus would raise up the bread or whatever he did and bless a meal that it dawned on them, this is Jesus. This is this is him. How how could we have missed it? Suddenly, it's very clear. But but it was him in a glorified state. The Jesus that we worship now, the Jesus that we sing praises to, is not that historical Jesus. He's a glorified Jesus, a different Jesus. He's a Jesus I'm getting ready to read to you right now. If you go to Revelation one, Revelation chapter one. Everybody got scared. I said said Revelation. No reason to be afraid. <clears throat> Revelation, last book of the Bible. If you have trouble finding it, uh, I don't know how to help you with that. The last one. Very end. Revelation chapter 1. All right, so um, we're going to start with verse 12. So what's happening here is, is John, um, John the Apostle, uh, who is called, uh, who actually calls himself Jesus' most beloved apostle. you got to love that. And, um, and so John the Apostle he, um, like all the other apostles, you know, they were out starting churches and spreading the gospel and that sort of thing. 
all the other 12 apostles had been martyred, had been killed for their faith, for their commitment to Jesus Christ, uh, except for John at this point. And John is probably up in his 90s when he writes this uh, uh, book. I'm sorry, John is not up in his 90s. John, uh, this, this was written in the 90s, in, uh, not 1990s, just 90s. Um, and so he, uh, it's, it's in about the year, you know, somewhere 90s, somewhere in that time frame. John, um, now it's not that they didn't try to kill John, they did. Uh, the authorities uh, took John into captivity, decided, sentenced him to death, decided they would kill him. Uh, they got creative and said, let's pour scalding hot oil all over his skin and just melt his skin off. And so that's what they did. And somehow John didn't die. They could, they, they were like, we can't kill this guy. And so they were like, well, if we can't kill him, let's get rid of him. And so they ship him off to this island that was kind of like a, you know, the Alcatraz of the day called Patmos, kind of a prison island type of situation. And, uh, and so while John is exiled to the Isle of Patmos, uh, he gets a vision from Jesus. And that vision, which he records in writing, is the book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation was given to, that revelation was given to John uh, as a message to the churches that were, that were um, out there and also as a message of encouragement to them. They were persecuted churches and Jesus wanted to encourage those churches, also call them back into closer relationship with him, that sort of thing. And so as a message of encouragement to them, he gives them some very, each church some very specific messages. And then he also gives them the encouragement that one day everything will be set right. Don't worry about the fact that you're being persecuted for my name's sake now because I am righteous, I am just, and there will come a day when all this will be over and we will set everything right. I'm coming back again and, and that's what we're going to look at. So the beginning of the revelation of John, this is when John sees Jesus and Jesus starts to give the revelation to John. Uh, this is what John sees. Revelation chapter 1, uh, start with verse 12. It says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. <coughs> Pardon me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. And the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, like uh, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of... Of many waters. I, that's one of my favorite parts of that description. The, his voice like the roar of many waters. Who here has been to the beach? And, and it, you cannot not go to the beach and, and, and miss the fact that um, the ocean is loud. Is it not? Have you ever whispered a conversation at the ocean? No, you haven't. You think you have, but you're really screaming at the top of your lungs just about, right? It is... It is loud. There is just, even if the waves are low, just the noise that body of water makes is, is loud. And his, his, his description of Jesus' voice that, that kind of rings out to him in this moment is, it was like the roar of, of, of many waters. And, uh, and he says this, and in his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in full strength this is not your Vidal Sassoon Jesus 
This is a very different Jesus. This is, this is Jesus in his glorified state. This is the Jesus who had been emptied out, who had been poured out, now poured back into fully glorified, fully glorified, standing before John. And, and, and this is Jesus as he is. As he is. This is the Jesus that we worship. Revelation 19. Revelation 19. Jesus, uh, the, 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 the vision that, that John gets is, is Jesus is now coming back. His second coming. He is coming back to set everything right. And he doesn't come like the Vidal Sassoon Jesus. He doesn't come kissing babies. He doesn't come. It's a different Jesus. It's an awesome one, though. There would be more um, boys in church if we had paintings of this Jesus on the wall. (laughs) Here we go. Uh, Revelation 19, verse 11. Um, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword. (coughs) Pardon me. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the Jesus you worship. This is the Jesus you worship. Do not miss the fact that the Jesus that we enter into relationship with is not just some man that lived 2,000 years ago. He is God Almighty. He is holy, holy, holy. He is just. And He will come to judge. He will come to judge We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. He is righteous. He is perfect. He has, he's coming back with an agenda. He is coming back. He is coming back. And he is not, what's the, what's that great line uh, from um, the lion, the witch in the wardrobe where they're talking about Aslan, the lion, C.S. Lewis, man, what a genius. He said, and, uh, he, he makes a statement about Aslan, something to the effect of, um, he is not, <laughs> he is not, he is not a tame lion, but he is good. He is not tame. He is not safe, but he is good. And Jesus will come back one day to set all the injustices of the world right. He will come back to judge, uh, as, the, as the Bible says, or as, as the uh, Apostles' Creed says, the, the, the quick and the dead. He will come back, bloody robe, 
king of kings, lord and lords, tatted up on his thigh, king of kings, lord of lords, fiery eyes. This is the Jesus whom we serve. Now, you're like, I, I like... I like the children's Bible Jesus better. <laughs> Can we not hear a sermon about that Jesus? Like, I like that Jesus, but I like, I like snuggly Jesus, right? <laughs> I, I, want, I want to... I don't want you to miss this fact, guys. Jesus Christ who laid down his life for us, who came and walked among us and lived a perfect life so that we could live in relationship with him, so that we could, so that a way could be paved for us to live in relationship with God Almighty. Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ, that man who walked the earth 2,000 years ago is now living and reigning, victorious, completely, fully glorified. That's the Jesus you serve. You serve God Almighty. God Almighty. Well, Jeff, we know. We, I mean, we, 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 we've heard this before. We know that, you know, Jesus is God. Why are you making such a big deal about this? Because I don't think we make a big enough deal about this. I don't think we make a big enough deal about this. I think the reason why American Christianity is so weak is because most of us are following a guy rather than a God. You're following some version of Jesus that you find safe, that you find palatable, that you think um, you know would be acceptable amongst your friends and your family, and what you've been called to follow, who you've been called to follow, is God Almighty, the Creator of the universe, the Sustainer of it all, God Almighty. It's a big deal. Because if Jesus is who he said he was, things should look a lot different. That, 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 I got one point today, and it's this one. Put it up there. If Jesus is Almighty God, it's time to pick a side. If Jesus is Almighty God, it's time for you to pick a side. Now, that statement obviously rings out maybe true in the, in, the, in the ears of someone who is yet to decide whether or not they want to have a relationship with Jesus or if they want to believe in Jesus or whatever. But I'm actually speaking to Christians here too because I think there's a lot of Christians, even in this room, <coughs> excuse me, even in this room, <coughs> that you need to pick a side. You need to decide, am I going to start living as if Jesus is who he said he was? Because if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to believe that Jesus truly is God, you cannot walk away from that encounter unchanged. You cannot walk away from that encounter unchanged. It, faith in Jesus Christ demands life change. Demands life change. Now, I'm not saying we come to God or earn our way to God through our life change or through our good works or anything like that. I'm saying you cannot... Let me, let me tell the story. When I was five years old, 
1977. Star Wars came out. It's a good year. Okay? 1977, five years old. Uh, we're living in a little community in, in Oklahoma City. And, um, and so if you didn't grow up in the 70s, uh, um, the 70s was, was this time period where basically there were no good parents in the world. And, um, and so let me explain. Let me explain. Um, so parents kind of let their kids just, just go. Um, and, and, uh, and the 70s should have been the decade that they were figuring out that wasn't a good idea. Uh, but they were the latecomers, and it was like, like the parents of the 80s that were like, oh, maybe we should keep an eye on our kids. And so, um, so anyway, so what happened with, I'm just teasing, I had great parents, uh, but there were no good parents in the world. Okay, so, um, so I say that to say, 1977, five years old, every week I had a little list of chores that I was responsible for doing. Every week I would get an allowance. My allowance was a quarter. And, uh, and so I would get a quarter. Now, a quarter went a whole lot further in 1977 than it does in 2013. And, and so I, I, I went, you know, as a, I'd have my quarter in my hand, five years old, and I would walk down to the end of the block, I don't know, 100, 200 yards down to the end of the block. <clears throat> I'm five years old. I have maybe a 10 feet. I don't know. And so I would walk to the end of the block. Uh, across the street at the end of the block, there was a, a convenience store, a little, little market thing. And, um, and when you would walk in, um, there was a, you know, the, the guy behind the counter. And underneath the counter that he was behind was candy, just every candy you could imagine, right? And so I would walk by myself down the street to the convenience store with my shiny quarter, uh, walk up there, and, and for a quarter I could pretty much get anything that was underneath the counter, counter 1977. And, and so almost every single time I would choose a Rocket Pop. Anybody remember Rocket Pops? Really? Nobody re- I, I weep for you all if you don't remember Rocket Pops. So Rocket Pops, this, this cool-looking sucker shaped like a rocket, multicolored, awesome. And so uh, I would usually get that every single week, and, and, uh, and so that was my plan. So this is a day, again, 1977, I'm five years old. I'm walking down with my quarter to get my Rocket Pop, and when I get to the end of the street before I cross the street, I'm kind of in, there's a, a yard there on the corner, and I'm kind of walking, and, and, and these two or three older boys in my mind they were high schoolers they were probably junior high kids because i was five and um and they approached me and just for no good reason at all decided let's beat up a five-year-old today okay and so as they begin i can still remember five years old being punched in the stomach by an older kid and that feeling you get when you can't catch your breath after you've been punched in the stomach you know i still i can still remember that and i can i remember them knocking me down and just like, I didn't do anything. I, you know, just let's beat up a five-year-old today. And I can remember kind of laying there, kind of taking that beating as a five-year-old, um, obviously a little scared, you know, obviously hurt, that sort of thing, thinking, how am I getting out of this? And then out of nowhere, the, the uh, clerk that was behind the desk at the convenience store across the street whom I would buy my rocket pops from every week. He had a bird's eye view of what was going on, and I didn't see him come across the street, but he came across the street and began to put a beat down on these kids that were beating me up. Now, this was back in the day when you could beat up any kid that wasn't your own. Again, there were no good parents in 1977. And so, so this guy is just letting these kids... I mean, he's a grown man. I mean, a, a grown man. And... And, and just letting these kids have it. He's giving them what they were giving me. And, 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 but at that moment, I remember being so thankful. Now, what happened was, because I'm five years old, 
And five-year-olds don't really put money in their pocket. They just get money and they carry it in their hand wherever they go. And so, so when I got beat up, I dropped my quarter somewhere in the yard, could not find it. I was more upset about the fact that I could not find my quarter than that I had got beat up. So he takes me back to the shop and, and, and uh, gives me my uh, rocket pop, you know, anyway, and, uh, and then sends me home alone, hoping that nobody beats me up on, on the way home. And so um, I can just, I, I remember that memory so vividly because I just remember how incredibly um, weak and vulnerable I felt in that moment and how thankful I was that someone came to save me. How thankful I was that someone stepped in and did what I couldn't do. There are times often in this life where life is putting a beat down on you. You can't catch your breath. You are completely vulnerable. You have no idea from where your salvation is going to come. And Jesus Christ is strong enough to handle any situation. There's nothing life can throw at you that Jesus can't stand toe-to-toe with you and, 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 and be right there with you and giving you everything that you need. We serve a strong God. A strong God. And I don't care what your life situation has been, how much injustice has happened to you, uh, how much of your life has been tragic or unfair or whatever. Whatever your life has been, Jesus is big enough to rescue, from, to rescue you from it. He is big enough, he is strong enough to rescue you from it. Do not lose sight of the fact that you serve a strong God Almighty God, who loves you, who will rescue you, who will be there for you when you need Him, who has more power over your life than you do, who is strongest when you are weakest. Do not lose sight of that fact. But if Jesus really is who He said He was, it's time to pick a side. You cannot continue down this path of kind of casual encounter with Christ that is like um, several, several years ago I, we were at a restaurant in San Francisco and I, um, I um, while we were waiting out in the lobby to get our, our table Bill Cosby walked through. Yeah, I know. That's what, that's what I did. Yeah. The cause. The cause, right? Uh, you know, jello pudding. And, you know, I can't do Bill Cosby, but all that kind of stuff. And, and, and but, I mean, it was the, it was the cause. And, uh, and I can remember sitting there looking up. Cosby walks by. I'm like, hey, it's the cause. And, and I was so excited. I'm like, it's the cause, I was so excited. I was so excited. And I've told that story, you know, dozens of times about, you know, the time I've you know, sat near the Cosby in a, in a, in a restaurant and, and just how cool of an experience that went. Now, you go to Bill Cosby today and say, um, do you know Jeff Myers? Um, no. No. He doesn't know me. He doesn't remember me. He probably didn't even look my direction. He, 
I, I tell this story as if I, you know, had some sort of encounter with him and know him or whatever, but he, he remembers his cheese sandwich from that day maybe, but he does not remember me at all. And Jesus says this, there's going to come a day, that judgment day, that day he comes back to judge the nations, where many will stand before him crying out, Lord, Lord, and he will say, I don't know you. I don't know you. No, but no, but I know who you are. You, you're, you're, I, I'm declaring it. You're, you're the Lord. I don't know you. What I'm so afraid of is that we will build churches who have had some sort of brush encounter with God, but they don't know Him and He doesn't know them. They don't know Him. It's not enough just to encounter God. Even Satan and his demons believe and will proclaim that He is God. It's not enough. Does He know you? Do you know Him? That comes in relationship. I don't have a relationship with Bill Cosby. I don't. That would be awesome. But I don't. I have the opportunity, and I do have, a relationship with Almighty God. He invites me into that relationship. He paved a way for me to be in that relationship. I accept that invitation. I begin to walk with Him and walk in the power of His Holy Spirit. I walk with Him day. I'm not perfect. I still screw up. I still sin. I still repeat mistakes that I wish I would stop repeating. I'm not perfect, but I am His. And I know Him, and He knows me. And He knows me. And I want to invite all of you into not just an encounter with God. Encounters with God are a dime a dozen. You, you, you can, I mean, people, people are auctioning off Doritos that look like the Virgin Mary on eBay. People encounter God all the time. But do you know the maker of that Dorito? <laughs> do you... <laughs> do you do you know Jesus? Do you know him? I want to invite you into a relationship where you don't just encounter God. You actually have a relationship with him. We don't need any more encounters. And what happens so many times is, is that we get kind of comfortable with these encounters. Like comfortable with the fact that, that uh, you know, oh, I, I felt emotional, you know? It felt good. Oh, man, went to this conference, and man, everybody was singing, and oh, man, got these goosebumps all up and down my back, and man, God was just there in such a powerful way, and I really, man. And then you go home, and nothing's different. You got goosebumps. God is not in the goosebumps. I mean, those are all, that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm not bashing worship. I love worship. I love those moments when you just feel a connection with God in that moment. And, and it, man, it just washes all over you. I love that. But, but my faith 
is not dictated by how good the music was. My faith is not dictated by how I feel about God from day to day. My faith is is completely grounded, completely submitted in the fact that He is God and I know who He is and He knows who I am. I know Him and I am known in Him. And no circumstance, no song, good or bad. You know the problem with... with this is a rabbit trail, but I got the mic. So, I, I, so that the, the problem with that kind of idea of, of encounter with God, and, and it's all based on, wow, how good... You know, ooh, worship was so good. It's like, we, it's like the American idolization of, of worship music, right? It's like, oh, man, I, got, I go to church here because the worship is so great, and it's not as good as the church down the street, and... This is the fact. This is the fact. I don't care what the style of music. I don't care who's playing the music, who's singing the music. I, I, I get the fact. There are some people who just shouldn't be up front. It would be distracting. I get that, okay? God gets it too. You're not all talented the same way. Don't be offended. It's just true, okay? Now, this, but this is the, what I want you to know. The fact is this. You are either worshiping or you're not. It's that simple. If you are only able to worship because somebody played the guitar pretty, you're only you're either worshiping or you're not. It's a choice. It's a choice. Come prepared to worship God. Come prepared for God to pour out his holy spirit and and bless you. Come prepared for that, but whether it's here or another church, or whether it's Rob or another leader, whether whatever, you're either going to worship or you're not. Choose. Choose. Quit, you know, doing the American bandstand thing with, with worship. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Make a choice. Who am, who am I going to... Which side am I going to be on? Which side am I going to be on? You cannot truly encounter God, truly experience a relationship with Him and not walk away changed. You can't. Now, that said, I want to encourage you all to know this thing. Your relationship with God is not built by how good you change yourself. There's going to come a day of judgment when we will all stand before God. Well, first of all, it looks like this. Put that verse up. Philippians 2 says this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's going to come a day when every knee will bow and declare Jesus as Lord. Every single one of us. Every single, every knee in heaven, all the heavenly host. Every knee under the earth. Even Satan and all of his demonic forces will be on their knees in the presence of Jesus and all of us. Whether you believe or not, whether you doubt or not, there will come a day when we will all drop to our knees and declare Him and Him alone as Lord. 
as King of kings and Lord of lords. That day is coming. And you will either be on your knees, worshiping and praising, or you will be on your knees, fearing and regretting. But you will be on your knees. And there will become a a moment of judgment when God will look at us and judgment will be cast on us and you will fall into one of two categories. You will either be the person who stands before God and you try to convince Him of all the reasons why He should accept you. God, I was in church often. I gave. I gave. I gave to the church. I gave to the poor. I helped feed the poor. I was, I, was a good, I was a good person. I was a good person. Or you'll stand before God and you'll just say, I, I have nothing to give you. Jesus. Jesus. Why should I stand here? Jesus. There's nothing good you can do to earn your favor with God. It is Jesus Christ and Him alone, and He has done it all for you. Just know this is God. And when you encounter that God, you cannot walk away unchanged. It demands change. It demands, that kind of encounter demands that you submit to that God. So this is, this is what I want to challenge you all to do. We're, we're big boys and girls in this room. I'm not inviting you into another emotional experience that you can add to your pile of emotional experiences. I'm inviting you to repentance. Repentance is not, I'm sorry, God. I shouldn't have done that thing. That's not repentance. Every parent in this room knows that's not Repentance. How many parents have had that conversation with your kids? Oh, your kid, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't want to hear. I'm sorry. One more dadgum time. I want you to do what I told you to do. I don't want to hear it. I want you to change. Repentance is not, I'm sorry. Repentance is, I'm turning. I'm turning. I'm turning back to you. I'm turning to you. And it's going to look jacked up, God. It's going to look bad at times. I'm weak, I'm faulty, I'm prone to wander. I'm all those things. But God, I'm going to turn to you the best I can and I'm going to trust your Holy Spirit to come in and make the kind of changes that you need to make in me. I'm going to let you be Almighty God in my life. Not just in my theology, not just in my faith statement, but in my life. I'm going to let you be Almighty God. And so God... Change me however you need to change me. And I can promise you, I'll I'll try. (laughs) There will be days I resist and there will be days that I completely surrender, but God, I'm yours. I'm yours. And that's, that's the victorious limp that we're called to. That's it. I want to invite you into a relationship with God, not another emotional experience. So bow your heads right now.
Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Don't be looking around. Just kind of get down inside of yourself right now. Would you just cash in all of your emotional experiences and kind of lay them at the feet of the cross, the feet of Jesus, and would you just submit yourself to Him who He is? You're God. You're God. Just give yourself to Him. I'm tired of meaningless short-term encounters with you, God. God, I want your presence in my life all the time. I want to follow you whether I feel it or not. I want to trust you whether I see you or not. I want to step out here, God, and just proclaim you are King of kings and you are Lord of lords. I submit myself to you on good days and bad days, on days when my vision is clear and on days when I can't see straight, God, I submit myself to you. You are still King of kings and Lord of lords in my life. On day when the music's great and on days not so much, God, you are still King of kings and Lord of lords and I will cry out holy, holy, holy to you because you are unchanging and I change often. And so I give myself to you. I give myself to you, God. And I want you to begin that relationship with him. Don't be that person standing there on the day of judgment crying out, hey, Jesus, I know, I know you. Went to, I sung about you at a concert once, twice, ten times. I, I, I know you. We went to a church where your name was on the sign. I know you. I don't want you to be that person that you get to look back going, I, I, I don't know you. I don't know you. Instead, I want us all to be on that judgment day standing before the throne of God with Jesus standing between us and the Heavenly Father saying, this one's mine. This one's mine. Father, we love you. And so, God, right now, I pray that you would move in the hearts of the people in this room and that that you would um, begin genuine relationships where none had been before. God, if there are people in the room that are (coughs) questioning, doubting, uh, not sure, God, that your Holy Spirit would break through that doubt, that they would take a step of faith that would end in sight, God, that you would um, just meet them where they are right now. God, for those of us in the room maybe that have played around with religious, emotional experiences, God, but we don't really know you, we don't really walk with you, we just kind of know about you. God, bring us into something deeper than that. Bring us into a real and genuine relationship with you. God, we give ourselves to you one more time. We ask you to lead us and guide us in the way that you want us to go. And we will follow you. You be our God, we will be your people. We will follow you. And we give you all the praise and all the glory because you are the only one who deserves it. 
and we proclaim you as King of kings and Lord of lords this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. Amen.